0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: One sixty-eight of the iHeart Miko podcast. I am Miko Grimes. What a special day! Before I get started, uh, that was Frankie Beverly. We we're sending you some some essence vibes with that music. And to my left, my guest Jamel Hill.
0: What's going on? Finally, finally, yeah. Welcome. I, I heard the street's been wanting this. <laughs> the street's been wanting a sister girl
1: conversation yeah. between us. Yeah,
0: definitely. So I'm pleased to be here. Thank you for having me on.
1: Yeah, so before we got started, we were talking a little bit, and I'm jealous right now because you're going to Essence this weekend.
0: I am. It'll be a big weekend. Um, I'm there. I'm the subject of a panel in the sense I'm, <sighs> I'm uh, it's a Q&A. Somebody's interviewing me about myself, so... Um And then uh, on Saturday, I'm interviewing Kamala Harris. And on Sunday, I'm interviewing uh, Beto O'Rourke. So See, I'm all up in the presidential my, candidate mix.
1: <laughs> outside of the candidate stuff, you got my whole life. You have my entire life. <laughs> I don't know. You know, uh, just your, your career, the path, everything you've done, the way you speak about our people, the respect you have for black women. I mean, I've I've idolized you a little bit for a while. I'm gonna try not to be a oh, little stand, but sure, you know, okay. I've been waiting for this moment for probably about
0: three years,
1: <laughs> three years now, and I was just like, you know what? She's never gonna come on my podcast. I'm just way too
0: ratchet. Oh, you know, I'm
1: too I'm too and wild. That, that
0: was not the case at all. But given that you always speak from a position of truth. I thought that the only circumstances of under which I could come on this podcast is when I was freely able to speak my truth. Mm -hmm. And so the reality is that clearly working at ESPN, that's not to say that I didn't speak truth. while I was there, but it is to say that it would have just been. Uh, if I difficult. would have it would have been difficult because it would have been probably an email chain and some purpose of face-to-face conversations and I was like, you know what I'm not even going to go through all that I'm gonna wait till the time is right now granted three years ago I didn't think it was gonna be right oh, now. fast yeah. forward you know to right now but certainly um there was a lot of things I sort of delayed until mm-hmm. it was kind of the right time so it was never about your alleged wretchedness it was always about wanting me to be in the right place that i could come on right
1: cuz i mean i knew you from detroit and you know i start my podcast off with what up though and that's really <laughs> that's a, a detroit thing yeah to, i have a lot of really good friends from detroit like everybody that i've met from detroit i love them oh they well, just that's, that's good they hear. seem like la people to me it just seems like
0: we are connected somehow. Well, and I and I've learned this the the more I live now in L.A., but just coming to L.A. over the years and meeting more L.A. people and mm-hmm. people have to understand the difference between people who live in L.A. and, and a people from. Are from L.A. Right. Because there's this perception, especially where I am in the Midwest and even across the country, that L.A. people are fake. Right. Right. They're talking about people people that live here, that that came here for a particular reason to pursue certain dreams and just kind of the industry. And claiming us. Right. And claiming L.A. And it's just like, no, you meet somebody from Inglewood where you're from. You meet somebody who's from L.A., L.A. Totally different vibe. And Mm -hmm. so it doesn't surprise me that there is some level of uh, chemistry between Detroit and L.A. people because it's very, very similar in terms of how they behave.
1: Right. Well, I'm gonna get into it. the reason that i I'm gonna just do an interview with you because I feel like <laughs> people don't really know you they don't they know what has been on e s p n they know about the beef with trump and and just just the drama and I just wanted to learn educate people on who you are and where you came from and why you're like this and <laughs> wh- how you got where you were. And I also want to know too, because there's a lot of questions. Like I told you, I've been wanting to ask you. So I re- obviously knew you were from Detroit. You mm-hmm. always rep in Detroit, but like, what part of Detroit? Because I know they're de- like the people that I know from Detroit. They're like, no, I'm not from Detroit. I'm from this. I'm from this. I'm from this. <laughs> they're real <laughs> like specific. Little, yeah. So I don't
0: really know the breakdown. So are you from the actual Detroit? I'm from the real hood, not the rap hood. So okay. I'm from Detroit, West Side specifically. Went to Muffer High School. And so real Detroiters, you so you sort of know. Whereas you could tell somebody's whole life story, maybe not the details of you know who the mama is or who the auntie is, uh-huh. but if somebody says, "Yeah, I'm from Detroit." I went to, um, you know, I'll name another high school. I, I went to Cass. I grew up on the east side. You're like, okay, all right. I see where you're from. I understand. Uh-huh. I understand your vibe, right? So, but that's why I said I have to be specific. Like, not only just, not only am I from Detroit specifically a west sider, lived on the west side my whole life. Shout out to anybody who grew up, grew up on 7 Mile. They know what that means. Seven mile. I hear about the miles. Yeah, it's seven miles, it's, eight it's miles. 6 Mile, 7 mile eight, mile, 8 Mile, 9 Mile, 10 Mile. But once you go past 8 Mile, that's the, that's the suburbs. So in Detroit, the city is split between um, the suburbs and, and the city. And the reason why Eminem named it 8 Mile, because 8 Mile is the dividing line. Mm. And that dividing line is there both physically and also psychologically. Because when white flight happened, all the white people left and went to the suburbs. White
1: flight. That's white flight. crazy. Yeah,
0: white flight happened um, in Detroit like it did a lot of other cities. Nevertheless, it speaks to the racial division in the city. Eight miles is, is is eight lanes wide, two different sides. But, you know, on one side, the suburban side, better have your shit together. Better have, <laughs> make sure, place better be. On, on point b- b- on point. License better be on point. Or you, or you bored, get in or, trouble. You get in trouble. The other side of eight mile, a little more wild, a little more reckless. Trip clubs on that side. That's the you know, lit side. Right? That's the lit side. You know, you see our uh ladies of the night on that side. women of the nights. The women of the nights. You see our, our sex workers and then you have, you know, just it's just is more urban, if mm-hmm. you will. And so that's why that's sort of symbolic of Detroit. But yeah, no, I'm I'm from real Detroit. Real Detroit. Mm-hmm. So Flint.
1: Let's have a little Flint talk.
0: Mm-hmm. How far is Flint from where you are from? Ooh, from where I'm from, Flint is like a good hour, hour and a half. Um, okay. Flint and Detroit are not necessarily that close. Neither Saginaw, another city I'm sure you probably hear a yes. lot about. Grand Flint's, Rapids. Grand, rap- uh, Grand Rapids is way far. Yeah. Grand Rapids is three and a half hours from Detroit. Mm-hmm. I got friends uh, from there, too. Do you? Okay, yeah. do you wrap um, where Floyd Mayweather Jr. is from as well? Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Flint is, it, even though it's it's that, the distance is there, You know, we still consider it a sister city because Flint is just like Detroit. It's just like Saginaw. Like, there's just a lot of synergy into some of the things that have happened to the city. And even just, you know, what the residents are like. There's there's definitely some synergy there. So I don't think... Detroit necessarily considers there's a rivalry type of feeling, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, you know, definitely when it comes to you know sports and athletes, you know we'll we'll have our guys, they'll have their guys, and you know we'll mix like, it up like that. all of the other like major, every like cities, any yeah. other city. But it's it's at least I've never felt there was any contentiousness between Detroit and Flint.
1: When I heard about the water situation in Flint and everything, like I'm a mother, and I just couldn't imagine. That happening in my neighborhood and nobody caring, nobody doing anything. And and to find out now that Flint isn't just Flint. There are many, many cities across the United States that have a similar or worse issue with water. And they're always in the urban communities. And like, does that bother you? Oh, yeah. Well, what's
0: so interesting is that. As much as we have branded ourselves as the best nation in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you travel outside of the U.S., this is not to say that other other countries do not have problems. Of course they do. But we have this very nationalistic, egocentric attitude about America. And when you start peeling back the layers of the prettiness, when you get beyond the teen picture, that you will find that a lot of the devastating problems that happen elsewhere are either just as bad here, worse, mm-hmm. or we have experienced something very similar. And, mm-hmm. you know, people in this country go hungry every day. And we have a hunger problem. We have a homelessness problem. We Man. have a people who don't have access to clean water, health care, which those are traits we ascribe to third world countries. Mm-hmm. We, yo, well, let me what tell are you, we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> and honestly, Flint, between... The uh, water situation, the, the educational system, um, and there's some pockets that are are really kind of trying to rejuvenate. So I don't want to make it sound mm-hmm. like Flint is destitute, but Flint. If you held Flint up to some of the the, the problems with um, employment, income, all those things to some third world countries, Flint would either be below that or right at that. Right. right. And so I think people need to. And I don't say that to make anybody from Flint or anybody who has people in Flint feel bad. But it's what it is. And it's time that we understand uh, how much we have inflicted harm on our own citizens, especially obviously black people.
1: Now when you see something like what's happening in Flint and and you see our country sending off millions and billions of dollars sometimes to fix other things or work on other things and they refuse to put the money into Flint and then I hear your governor ex-governor Rick Snyder you heard about his new fellowship
0: at Harvard um I have I've heard some rumblings of it but I I didn't you know, full stop with him, but I, I didn't, <laughs> I, I, I have a feeling that's probably how yeah, it is, I but I dive into what, what how, exactly has happened. How,
1: how do we have hope? How do we feel positive knowing that he allowed this to happen on his watch? And now he's getting credited with a whole nother great opportunity to screw up somewhere else. And it's like, how do we feel happy moving forward? Like, you should be punished. Right. You know, there should be rep- reprimanding situations and things happening to him it and, be, and he's be. and he's just moving along, getting
0: better and better, yeah. making more His money. His life is fine, right? <laughs> Meanwhile, there's been hundreds of thousands of people, generations. It's not even hundreds of thousands of people. I understand this water problem is generations of people. Yeah. Um, because, you know, people that have children, children who have ingested this water, it's the trickle down effect we probably won't know for years, honestly. Right. And um, somebody needed to go to jail. And the fact that that won't happen, uh, there was a lot of people, not somebody, a lot of people needed to go to jail over that um, degree of neglect. But, you know, unfortunately, there's always a a soft landing spot for privileged people. And, um, you know, the same could be said for Rahm Emanuel in Chicago. It's like, you know, um, look, Chicago's a great place to visit, but Chicago's a mess. And he left it a mess. And he contributed to the mess. Mm -hmm. And yet now in his sort of post-political life, he has been able to to land flourish. all kind of flourish. <laughs> like he just out there making his money, living his best life. And meanwhile, having contributed to uh, the destruction of plenty of others. So unfortunately this is the way things, you know, work uh, in America. And what it requires is for the will of the people to be stronger than um, the systems that are in place. That's the only thing that is going to disrupt the system. Our will has to be stronger than their systems. And, That's a day-to-day fight. Some days we win. Some days the will of the people does not prevail. Most days we lose. We don't get to make the rules.
1: We don't get to make the laws. We don't get to uphold them. A lot of people get mad at me. I have uh, friends that have gone to jail and whenever I say free my nigga whoever, they're just like, why do you want them free? They committed a crime. Do you know how many people are committing crimes here that aren't going to jail? Like worse things, you know, like Snyder getting a new job, all these uh, uh, food and drug administration, the pharmaceutical companies, killing millions of people. No one's going to jail. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm always saying free money. It's just <laughs> like, listen, you know, play us fuck up. <laughs> <I> <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, we should, everybody
0: should go into jail for whatever they're doing, right? whatever they're doing, whether you're a billionaire, whether you're a politician, whatever. I think the problem and people, people often have that misperception of black people in terms of, they it's not that we don't want to see people go to jail we want people yeah, right. punished if they deserve it and and yet also the opportunity to rehabilitate which they de- never get which they never get and to rebuild their lives cuz people do make mistakes it Plays does happen yeah totally and so um What is the hard pill for most of us to swallow is that one, justice is certainly not handed down evenly, um, nor, you know, this whole justice is mine thing is we know is, is clearly very much a lie. But other people who do do things, they're able to rehabilitate or reinvent themselves and yes, they are nine times out of ten, usually white people. I mean Sarah Sanders males too. Especially men. Um but Sarah Sanders, for example, is leaving the White House and I and and she's gonna be writing a book. So that means that she she probably flourish off of that. Despite the fact that she lied to the American people Every damn day, just about, okay. misled taxpayers paying her salary, lying about the president and his misdeeds and what was going on with the government, furthering white supremacy. Her punishment for that is a nice book deal. And I'm sure the networks will be falling over themselves to to, to book her as a pundit. Yeah. So that is essentially justice, quote unquote, in America.
1: Mm-mm-mm. I'm gonna get off them because I don't even <laughs> want to do this whole poly- I don't. I I, I just want to get that out the way early. We can we let's move on now. I want to talk to you about you. You you're a big, big Michigan State girl. Mm-hmm. I, you rep it, mm-hmm. girl. Let me just tell you, you you rep, you represent your school. <laughs> Why did you choose Michigan State? Is it just a Detroit thing? Like, cause there's another school, Michigan. Like, what's the difference between um,
0: Michigan and Michigan State? Well, the difference is I I actually made a. Kind of an uh, not odd uh, choice in the sense of during the time in which I made it. Um, so this is, I mean, I graduated from high school in 1993. So We're the people, same age, girl. I know. So people do the I math did too. They, <laughs> they know <laughs> how old we are, right? Yes. So um, at that time, the Fab Five was huge. I mean, the Fab mm-hmm. Five was, uh, or the legacy of the Fab Five was huge in Detroit. Detroit to University of Michigan distance-wise is 35 minutes. It's much closer than Michigan State. Ooh. Michigan State is an hour and a half away. And mm-hmm. so, for me, initially the plan was to go to Michigan. Me and my best friend from high school, we were both going to go there, room up. You know, we all had those the plans, Those plans, right? And so, what happened was, at some point while I was in high school, uh, University of Michigan announced that they were going to— um, their journalism program was going defunct. Not that it was not funded, but they were just melding everything under the English department. And— um I wanted to major in journalism. I mean, i have known since basically I was in middle school, high school, that I wanted to be a journalist. And Michigan State was always a place um, that was a little bit on my radar, but I kind of, um, you know, Michigan was my first choice. And I got in and everything. So for all of Michigan fans, like Michigan State people just don't get in Michigan. Eh, stop. I got in. <laughs> I just decided to go to right. Michigan State because they had a journalism program that was accredited. Very well known. They had the largest college uh, daily newspaper in the country, the State News, where I worked for four years. And at that time in high school, I was working at, um, in the sports department of the Free Press, answering phones. Mm. And a lot of people at the Detroit Free Press, uh, one of two, uh, one of the two major papers in Detroit, they went to Michigan State, so they were. Putting the pressure on me, mm. and they were, you know, they, they were. They, they, they worked. They, 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 worked, worked the they worked the magic. They worked the magic, and it worked. And so <laughs> I went to Michigan State, and I went there as a Michigan fan. And uh, Damn. I did. I went there as a Michigan fan because I I went there for academic reasons. I went there to be a. You journalist. have to make
1: the choice that's
0: best for you. Totally, you know, and that yep probably was the right. It was. Choice. It was yeah. sort of an arranged marriage, and I wound up wound up falling in love with my partner. What can I say? <laughs> right, I became a huge <laughs> Michigan State fan as a result.
1: Now I went to college here. I went to Cal State L.A. Division 2 school, but I always wanted to go to an HBCU. Really? So what yeah. happened? Well, I, I was um, recruited by Tennessee State and um, I just was afraid to leave. Mm. You know, like I just I, I, now looking back, I'm like, I should have left. There were so many other schools that I could have gone to, but I should have just left. But did you ever
0: think about going to an HBCU? I did. My four schools that I targeted during um you know, the time when I was deciding on college where Michigan, Michigan State, Clark, Atlanta and FAMU mm-hmm. and FAMU, they were they had gotten a huge uh, fellowship, a, a, a huge amount of seed money um, from Knight Ritter, which used to own the Free Press, the Miami Herald. Uh, it mm-hmm. was a family owned um, newspaper group. And uh, they got a huge amount of seed money to start a journalism program and a journalism school. And that's what attracted me to FAMU. I had some connections there, um, journalism wise. And so um, I wanted to to really uh, give FAMU, I wanted to go visit and just, you know, really make that kind of decision. But my mom was, I mean, one-witted. she wasn't with it. I mean, Detroit, you know well, Tallahassee Florida you've been out there twerking and back then, yeah, that's what Luke <laughs> oh was my god popping. that's what it was popping. You're yes, right. you so. would have been out there don't stop <laughs> i mean i already was in high school but you know that's beside the point but um so there was that there was that fear on her part she was like no nah, you can't go that far away which in hindsight, I shouldn't let my mama boss up on me because she did not pay for me to go to college. Oh, she did! No, oh, so and she didn't, she, didn't she know that, really right, that didn't lane. have a say in a decision, and I don't know why I made but it feel like she's, she's, she's mama. She's mama, so I had to to listen. But it is, you know, uh, why going through that experience is why some of my friends now who have kids who are college bound or who are already in college, yeah. And wanting to pursue internships in different cities, I always tell them, don't put your insecurities off on your children when it comes mm-hmm. to moving away. Yeah, it's that at some point you have to trust. Yeah, you have instilled enough good sense, and they'll they'll make the and right decision. Make the right you, decision. Right. you can't always be there
1: anyway, Correct. even if they're in a local college. You can't be there. You not twenty four seven. you got to s- let
0: people grow and learn. Totally, and, yeah. and nothing makes you grow up faster than living on your own experience. and living far away. Experience, and you want them to experience outside of their world but mm-hmm. i get it you know parents want to hold their children close but a lot of times they do it because of what they don't know about the outer environment so mm-hmm. i just i always advocate that for for parents like let your kid if you live in la your kids want to go to someplace in no, maine no. let them go yeah. you know
1: i've always wanted to um figure out a way for sports like the athletics and hbcus to flourish because if you if you keep it a buck we kind of run sports black people you know oh, totally. we, were, we were bred mm-hmm. you know to, to be faster stronger bigger and all these things so it assimilates it, it but what would what do you think it would take for black athletes to take all those talents to hbcus so those schools can flourish and make money and get better uh tv contracts and you know just if we're if we're going to be paying all this money to schools i feel like we should go to black schools and and help them flourish because they they're struggling, you know?
0: It's ironic that you are asking me this question because I have already uh the piece is in edit now at the Atlantic where I'm a staff writer. And um I did a piece, uh I think it will be out uh toward the start of college football season about Girl, what you shining. What would happen. You shining. I uh, ain't got my no. damn <laughs> ring on. But as soon as you put the hand up, I was like, oh accidental flex. She's shining. <laughs> um I did a piece about What would happen if the top black high school prospects returned to HBCUs? So I literally just wrote this piece. It's like 6,000 words. Yeah, see, we're here. 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 And, um, you know, look, I mean, I know that the, like everybody else, the NCAA is full of shit. And they're exploiting black talent, Um, you know, and historically, it's a ton of reasons why this has happened. Uh, that being said, uh, it's not just about helping the HBCUs, if you think about it. When you look at the statistics, the percentage of black lawyers, doctors, pretty much most of um, the the major professions, the graduates predominantly are from HBCUs, black graduates, OK, mm-hmm. so that are entering this profession. So the HBCUs have contributed a lot to forming a black upper and middle class, and forming mm-hmm. black professionals. And again, we have a presidential candidate right now, Kamala Harris, went to Howard. And so um, with that being said, one of the ways that we can try to close the wealth gap is for right. money to be reinvested into our communities. How that happens could happen, as I theorize in this piece. I don't want to give it all away because I want yeah, you guys to read yeah. it when it comes you out. to read it, y'all. But one of the ways that can be done is through... High school athletes going to black colleges because, you know, look at what happens as a result. As you mentioned, television contracts, you know, these schools and the SEC that have these brand new buildings and some of the facilities they have, they're built on the backs of black athletes. Yes. So if you have, um, you know, because a lot of these HBCUs are in urban communities. So if all of a sudden. That school has new facilities and new money and programs. They can reinvest in the community that they're in. Thank you. We don't have to worry about um, black colleges or black coaches getting good jobs or black athletic directors because they'll be at At the the HBCU. HBCU. So it has a trickle down effect that is far beyond just even the college. It's about giving black people ownership of their own talent, number one, Mm -hmm. and two, reinvesting that money in many of our communities that have fallen by the wayside. So there's a ton of reasons why this should happen. And as one of the people who I interviewed for the piece said, uh, Lavelle Moten, who's the um, the head basketball coach at North Carolina Central, he, as he and I were talking, and I think I used this quote in the piece, why is it that black people don't understand that we're the talent and the market goes where we go? and everything. We, you don't need to go. Zion Williamson could have literally gone to a community college and would have been a number one draft pick. Yeah. He didn't have, have to, to go to go Duke. Duke. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to Duke, and I understand that. But the whole point is that this idea that the colleges Make you who you are, who you are is not you true. Make the college. You, you make, make the college. Everything. Yeah. He made way more money for them than they will ever than they will ever see in a given year like that. Like they just had. I mean, they've had certainly other really good years, but like when you look at the year. That he had, they were on national TV every, every night, single
1: day. I he, mean, everywhere he went, everything they did, it was a special about it. You yeah, know? I it's mean, at the like, at
0: damn. the, uh, at the he, NCAA tournament, the Zion Cam. You know, I mean, yeah, he made this school a ton of money, and that free scholarship, quote unquote, that he got is nothing compared to the money that Duke right. was able to make off of him his last year which is essentially what I was trying to say.
1: Yeah, what one thing that I thought was incredible about him cuz you know when you watch the, the 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 brackets and the championship you have that last scene of one shining moment, right? With the team that won. Zion had his own
0: one shining moment. Did you see that? <laughs> I didn't after, actually. <laughs> after um who won? Um Oh, who just won the title? It was uh, gosh, because we were in the oh. final four, and I cannot. Believe, I, I'm sorry, I just blacked out. Matters after, none. <laughs> yes, the point is, I figured it out right yeah.
1: after that one shining moment, they did a Zion one shiny moment. All of the highlights of the entire playoffs, just his highlights.
0: I'm not surprised, and that's and I'm just like exploitation. At imagine finest. if he went to an HBCU, exactly. And you know, it would just it would. It it would would change the game in so many ways. Yeah,
1: it would change a a lot of things. And I I feel like our people just don't understand. Like, we're just so busy trying to catch the wave instead of we're the wave, we're the water.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing that um, it was Virginia, that's who won. Um, One thing that I've definitely realized um, in reporting on this piece and just in conversations that I had, you'd be surprised in pockets of the country how little black people know about HBCUs. Yeah. Notice I didn't say white people, how little black, black people know about mm-hmm. HBCUs. Because I, I was talking to um, one young man who was at who's at Shaw University, a black college in North Carolina. And he transferred, I believe, from Texas Tech. And he had never heard of, of Shaw. He had never heard of a lot of the black colleges before. and But he grew up in the Northeast. And while I know, sure, I know Howard's there, I know Hampton's there, I understand all that. But I think people would be surprised at... At how many of us actually don't know about HBCUs and and also um, don't know the history of HBCUs, not just their mission and why they were created, but the the types of of people that HBCUs have produced, the the mm-hmm. outstanding successful people they produce, mm-hmm. and even from a sports history, I mean by law, HBCUs were the only place we could play. The only place we could go. play. We, play, we could play. Yeah. That was it. It was there. And, and the they old,
1: realized that oh shit,
0: they, they, their games are more fun than ours, more talent, blah, blah, blah. let's go ahead college and College football, them. at least at predominantly white universities, at white universities, I'll just say this because back then it was only white universities or white or black. College football would have gone extinct without black athletes. It was going to go extinct because, you know, you have uh, Grambling, all these other places, Jackson State, that had literally the best talent. And, you know, kind of one of those seminal moments in, um, you know, college football history uh, when I believe it was, uh, I think it was Alabama. They got whooped by USC and they had a black quarterback and Mm -hmm. they actually had three Uh, Two, I think two black running backs, one black quarterback whose names are escaping me and they whooped them. And um, the reality is that seeing the emergence and presence of black athletes, even though Bear Bryant had started to already recruit black athletes and he had one on the team. The Alabama seeing themselves get totally Smacked. smashed. And I know USC wasn't an HBCU, but the fact is, like, you know, USC had started integrating mm-hmm. and knowing where the talent was in right in his backyard. It was an easy business decision to make. And I stress business, business yeah, decision. I was about to say. <laughs> business. business decision.
1: <laughs> so earlier. um, you said that you knew since you were in middle school and in high school that you wanted to be a journalist. So did I. Oh, OK. I um I grew up here, obviously. And, you know, what I used to love about journalism is, you know, I was I was always a tomboy. I've been playing sports since I was six years old Same. and just just, you know, and so I used to couldn't wait to get the Sunday paper to just read like, that's how I learned about my favorite athletes. That's how I got the stories about their life. And if they had kids and, and you know what they like to do in their free time. Like I used to be so excited to read the newspaper, to learn about, you know, my favorite player. That's, you know, back in our day. Yes. Back, back when (laughs) was no technology. (laughs) And I fell in love with that, the art of writing and creating somebody's life on paper. And now it's, like, as I got older and got to college and I was a journalism major and I realized like, you know what? I don't even need this major to do what I want to do. You know, so I switched over to exercise science. You know, mm. just that that's... I'm not even using that degree, which is so bad. <laughs> but I knew that if push came to shove because I always wanted to be a pro, but there was no WNBA at the time. There was only like, you can go overseas. But, you know, it wasn't a big thing, you know, in the, in the mid-90s. But I always had like a plan B, basically was journalism. And I realized that I fell out of love with my, my dream job because I just started to see that people write anything. Mm. They will write whatever. Yeah. And it's Bible. And and then when you find out the truth, there's no rep- repercussions. There's no, I apologize or I need to retract that. Like I learned that in that field, people can literally say whatever they want mm. and it doesn't have to always be true. You know, th- this was in the era where people weren't suing just yet, but you know, I kind of fell out of love with this, this, the sport of journalism. And then I started to do research on the people that are where I want to be one day. And then I found out that like you, you had a lot of jobs. Like <laughs> yeah. you from, a lot. Can you just I'll, list yeah, I'll you some to. of the places like I, I, I Googled it <laughs> and you,
0: you, is that what it takes to get where you are? Well, journalism is a very transient profession. Um, it's interesting to me when you were saying that, well, one, um, our backgrounds could not have been more similar. I also fell in love with journalism by reading the newspaper, and um, as I mentioned, Detroit's a two news- newspaper town, so I read the Free Press and the news sports sections, and that's how I kind of fell in love with writing. I was already just in my in my own free time, personal time, writing in a journal, writing short stories, writing mm-hmm. um, you know just more creative kind of stuff. So I was already doing that, and then uh, once I started reading the newspaper and understanding, like you did. Mm-hmm. Um, how stories were told, structure, just, um, and then just having an innate curiosity about athletes and teams and why things worked the way that they did and why players were the way that they were. I wanted to know about their makeup, the team makeup, mm-hmm. how decisions were made, all that kind of stuff. So at any rate, I, I say all that to say it's interesting that you were turned off by what you saw, which I totally understand was a problem. Yeah. Um, how come you never thought that you could be the different one to maybe turn the industry on its head?
1: I think that it was more about me just feeling like the truth isn't accepted. Reality isn't the thing. Like you have to be like everybody else. or you're not going to get the job. Mm. That's what scared me off of it. Mostly. I can understand, you that. know? And so that's, you, you were probably like, Oh, this is great. I'm going to be able to write stories on it. And I was like, you know what? My truth, the way I, the way I want to tell the truth and, you know, and not bullshit and, and not lie and not cover. Like I was just, I was discouraged. Yeah. Honestly, but I, I made my way back <laughs> <Yeah>. after, you <laughs> but know, playing you made it back on your terms, on my terms, which is even
0: better. My way. Yeah. yeah which is even better. Um, no, I mean, it, it is a transient profession, as I said. So you do have to, you have to go where the work is. And so mm-hmm. uh, when I was in college, I had five internships. My first internship was, was after my freshman year. I interned at the Lima, Ohio, in oh, my li- Lord. at the Lima News in Lima, <laughs> Ohio, which is about two and a half hours from Detroit. Uh, covered cops, actually. Um, Lucky you. Cops, you know what? Covering cops and sports is very similar. I, I believe it. Yeah, covering police departments because most of them were were athletes that just didn't make it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's just the way that if the flow of information is very similar. Mm-hmm. You know, put it, put it this way: every police uh, station, you know, every police media par- department that they have uh, or media spokesperson. They all just like Bill Belichick. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. They all just like that. So, you know, you deal, but you're dealing with detectives and cops, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of a, they're more, you know, more like athletes in the sense they'll tell you the real. They, mm-hmm. you, know, you just can't, a lot of times, can't, you put, can't on put the road, it out there. Put yeah. it on the record. But anyway, so I went from Lima, and then the next summer, I interned at the Free Press. Uh, they went on strike during halfway through my internship. And so really? they sent us the interns. They did. They sent <laughs> us all the other sister papers. And I wound up doing two internships in one summer. Essentially, I went to the Philadelphia Inquirer, uh, intern at the News, or not the News and Observer, not next summer, but the summer after that, um, interned at the Plain Dealer in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. I lived in basically in college in the summer. I lived in Lima, Ohio, Detroit, uh, Philadelphia. Cleveland and Raleigh and Raleigh was where I had my first professional job. They hired me out of my internship. And so, you know, after Raleigh, uh, I moved back to Michigan. Um, I covered Michigan state for six years in football and basketball, working at the free press. Then I moved to Orlando to be a sports columnist. I was there for two years before ESPN hired me. So as I have, I have, you know, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, some of them think I was like born on Around the Horn or something, but <laughs> I had a fully fledged print journalism yes. career before I got to ESPN. And when ESPN hired me, they did not hire me to be on television. They hired me to be a writer. So I was a columnist uh, for ESPN.com because I they had an opening um, because Skip Bayless was leaving writing to do TV full time for ESPN. And so that left the opening. And that's mm-hmm. how I got hired. And once I was there... You know, at ESPN, the, the great thing about being there is that so much of their platforms become available to you just by you, just being there, just by being there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and so eventually somebody reads something you wrote. They think it's provocative. They think it's, you know, good. They think you've proven your opinion and they want to stick you on TV. And that's kind of what happened is like I started doing um Stephen A. Smith's, quite frankly, I started doing Outside the Lines and then I started Next thing I know, I was on cold pizza, which came, became first take. And then Jim Rome was burning and around the horn and sports reporters. And so you just wind up, you wind up in this you rotation. Yeah, I mean, and the good thing for me is that I didn't take TV very seriously at all. In the sense, yeah, I was serious about what I said on TV, but I wasn't one of those people like
1: that wasn't like, oh my God, I'm on TV. Uh,
0: exactly. i about to be the shit. <laughs> yes, exactly.
1: Everyone look at me. Uh, I was you never that feeling way. It like nah, that. I was you,
0: never that way. And I was never somebody who felt like they needed television to justify or validate Mm -hmm. who they were and so i wasn't tv thirsty and i think because i wasn't it came to you easily it came to me and i always was on tv i always was myself on tv Mm -hmm. you know there are people that are on tv sort of playing a different person if you Mm -hmm. will uh because they they have a, a niche or they feel like that's what will connect with viewers or that's what will keep them talked about however it mm-hmm. goes but I was never that way and as a result I fell into a TV career and so my last you know I was there at ESPN for 12 years so for the last 4 or 5 years I was on television every day so it just really happened very organically
1: now I know that you were living in Bristol
0: I was I did a I did a I did a bid <laughs> you did a bid. <laughs> I did a bid I know there were
1: several black girls in Bristol did y'all mm-hmm. have a gang? Was y'all a crew?
0: <laughs> I know that We we were all up there so it was it's funny because um see when I got there uh, you know, this, this is the other thing too, is that, you know, I was, I was single when I moved to to Bristol. And that's what right? like, so I'm
1: saying. You're in Bristol. That's a totally it's, different
0: experience. There was no dick out
1: there. <laughs> like,
0: what was y'all doing? I don't saying it wasn't oh, out there. Whatever. I'm just saying that wasn't necessarily well, was coming my way, <laughs> but it's oh, like, man. you know, know, you're in a bit of a single desert out in, yeah, in Bristol and I, I damn had. sure one day nobody at work like that was never going down. So, oh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, for single people who come to ESPN, it it can be kind of tough. And all the married people love it, the married people with kids, because the school system is so good there. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's Connecticut, good family life. You know, they, they enjoy that part of it. And that's no knocking it. But, um, yeah, you know, when I was... Carrie? It was me, Carrie. And so Carrie, when Carrie got there... Um, I don't think I had moved to Bristol full time yet, but I had Carrie was actually really good friends with my best friend from college. And my girl from college, Kelly, she had told me she was like, you got to meet Carrie. She's Mm -hmm. the shit. I know y'all gonna hit it off. It's going to be all good. And so I remember I sent Carrie an email like the first week she was at ESPN. And weeks go by, months go by. She didn't respond. I was like, I noticed having a little a- <laughs> She did. And then she finally sent me an email back and she said that she was, she apologized. She was like, I just figured out how to work my email. She had never even looked at it. Oh. She had never, because she didn't know her password. She hadn't set anything up yet. So she's like, I did, you know, let's get together. And really, one of the reasons I reached out to her. Not only because it was a new black woman, and I was so excited they hired a black woman, especially one to be on First Take, because honestly, I didn't think that was gonna happen. I Mm -hmm. just did not see them putting a black woman on that show, right? And um, I had sort of had like a tryout for it, but I, because I hosted the show for a couple weeks and, you know, moderating um, wasn't necessarily in my wheelhouse. Because you, you have an opinion. Yeah, and yeah. I, I I was so used to giving my opinion right. since day one. so it wasn't really the most natural fit. And mm-hmm. um, so I didn't really think that was a job that was really right for me. And I don't think they thought it was right for me either. So it was kind of mutual. But nevertheless, as you know, how the rumor mill goes and how how it is when you're fighting for real estate at a place like ESPN is that there was this misplaced conception that I wanted the job and that because I, w- I was going to be salty about the fact that they hired another black oh, woman God, to take They the try job. to put y'all against each other? They did. And so before that shit even got started, I wanted to reach out to Karen <laughs> and say, like, let hey. me tell you what this is. And I also wanted her to know what she was getting into. Uh-huh. I mean, to be He's honest, giving her a heads up, giving her a heads up, and saying, "Hey, you know, I know some of the dynamics and politics on this show. This is keep your head on a swivel, right. all right, for real, and especially just in this building in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so, because it's a very competitive environment, and uh, so we joke about that even now. And Carrie became one of my best friends. She's one of my bridesmaids in my wedding, and so." um, I don't know how either one of us would have survived uh, if we didn't have each other during that time in Bristol and uh, I always jokingly call her uh, Harriet Tubman I was like "Harriet, you looked at the North Star <laughs> you got on out of here and I was you know not too far behind her so um, so yeah I mean it was a lot of us uh, you know were really cool with the, with one another a lot of black people obviously Mike Mike Smith is is still one of my closest friends mm-hmm. um, you know my former TV partner Michael Eves and L Duncan it was like it was a lot of us that were really, you know, really tight. Did and y'all s- click up? Did y'all ever did. like oh, have like, like little pajama? Oh, parties, totally. Like, like not not necessarily pajama parties. I mean, we had a lot of parties though. Yeah, we, but
1: like house parties. Oh, y'all get together totally. play spades, dominoes, definitely. To music. Michael
0: Eaves. I mean, the, my last year I was there. Michael Eves had the flop house. He had okay. the barbecues. It was his he had the get-togethers. I mean, before um, it was before I I had a going-away party that, that was epic, and so he. uh, so the party started at his house, and then we took it to another um, establishment. Won't say where, <laughs> but if y'all use y'all imagination, y'all might right. be able to guess where we went after that. Right. And so my wheels turned. So uh, sounds like my kind of night. Yeah. Now, so uh, you know, spades and get-togethers and all that kind of stuff. You know, we yeah, it, I definitely had a crew that I miss. Um, you know, in Bristol, and I don't, I don't miss living in Bristol, but I uh, definitely miss that crew because I met some really good and became close to some very good people there.
1: Yeah, I, I, um, have a fr- a good friend that uh, lived up there named Adrian. She uh, worked for ESPN. Oh, I know. Adrian. And, you know all that stuff that happened with the sexual harassment and all that stuff. It was messy, <laughs> and I just can't believe ESPN got out of it. Like they really kind of got away with a lot of stuff that was mm. going on.
0: Well, I can only. Speak to the fact that um, because I'm often asked about my experiences there regarding that in particular, because before I got there, that was an issue. At least I was led to believe before I got there that that really was an issue. That was a a real problem. That's not just yes, it wasn't a problem after. But there was was this time period where ESPN went through um, a really like frat boy kind of Mm -hmm. um, environment. And that preceded me. And then when I was there, it was this huge scandal that happened yeah. with Steve Phillips, the former Mets GM, uh, him and an intern. I mean, it wound up. It was on. It was on the back pages of all the New Year, New York papers. He was on the Today Show for crying yeah. out loud, and so that was, you know, that when kind of a lot of their history, uh, you know, is it was drug up, and so it was interesting to see them try to make this meta, you know, kind of change from being the company known as that, yes, um, or knowing that boy, yeah, to, to, that. to be and, proper. And, and, and look, I, I realized my experiences may have just been different in part because while I was there 12 years, I only lived in Bristol for four. So mm-hmm. for, Eight years, I could. I lived in Florida, mm-hmm. yeah, because I was still a writer and the TV stuff I had to do. I would just come in, spend four days there, leave, go back home. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't a part of the culture of Bristol yeah. until I started doing TV every day, and I never had any problems in there. Nobody ever tried to grab mm. your pussy mm. or no, no, or give you a close new, hug. New, what oh, would you no. have done?
1: Like, because I, 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 people have asked me, like, Miko, have you experienced this? I said I've had two. Experiences that I can really remember. One of them, I pulled a gun on a nigga mm. because he was. Sta- I was sitting and he was standing very close, talking to me about all the things that he could get done for me when I when I was in radio and how he could help my career. But he was standing this close. This is where his dick was. No. Yeah, I'm on the balcony smoking a joint before I went on the air because you know I'm illegal as shit. But. <laughs> What they got a balcony for you know if what? we can't... Everybody else went out there I to smoke cigarettes. Like... I was smoking a joint. And he came out there and he was standing next to me. You don't need to be this close, first of all. And I pulled the gun on him. And I was like, dog, we'll fucking shoot you. And so I feel like just my energy tells people not to sexually harass me. I don't know.
0: what well, is. I I, um, I often stop short of saying that because I, because I, I don't want... It can ever. seem like it was just that easy. No, like, and not just the, so seem like that. it seemed it, like it's that easy. I don't want to ever put the onus on women like we got yes. to change our energy right. in order for somebody not to rap. People who are well, regardless, you whatever. Regardless, yeah, like oh, her skirt was sure She wanted it exactly. No, yeah, of, they just out of pocket. Yeah, and I, so I never had to. Um, you know, I mean, I've had to check people at ESPN on some racial shit, but like okay. never on any anything on that on that end. But I've I've certainly talk to women there who, you know, experience some some incidents that they had to take to, a, you know, HR, a, a HR mm-hmm. or something like that. So I, I've certainly and and I've tried to counsel them in the best way I knew, you know, I knew how I mean, my mom's main thing is like paperwork. Paperwork, <laughs> got yeah. put some paperwork on gotta it. Gotta some ink on it. Gotta have some so ink it on it. Gotta have a record so it yeah. sticks. Yeah. So you, so
1: you've been suspended a couple of times, mm-hmm. right? You know what I'm saying? I, have. I, I was offended when you got suspended and with the the Hitler conversation. Well, I and, that one. But, but no, because I did. Lou Holtz. I know. I know he what people say. He said something I know. to, nothing happened to him. I, and look, So you you knew you were going to get suspended. You,
0: n- no, I actually didn't. <laughs> oh, didn't know. I didn't know. You
1: didn't say it like, fuck it, they're going to suspend me. I'm just going to say you, no. it happened. And then you were like, damn. That okay. was an accident. Like, that was oh, okay. not,
0: that was not intentional. And I, look, some people tried to sort of give me passes in the sense of by pointing out Lou Holtz. And I remember when that happened, it was like my suspension, it was almost like getting resuspended again. Because yeah. suddenly everybody was talking about me and, Anytime you have your name associated with somebody like Hitler, it's not a good thing. But right. um, but I've always been somebody who believes in tunnel vision. I'm just worried about my damn self. What mm-hmm. they choose or didn't choose to do to Lou Holtz is on them. And I, I think, you know, the evidence kind of speaks for itself. The only reason I say I deserve the, the, the suspension is because I was really disappointed in myself. And there are certain references I don't think you should play around with. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I didn't take it seriously enough. And as a writer, I'm responsible for what I write. Mm-hmm. Sure, an editor approved it. I did not post that story myself. Okay. okay. right? So I wrote this, it got past some people. It got past some people. And I could, if I wanted to play the blame game, say, well, it ain't my editor. Why did they just take it out? And the person right. didn't because they obviously did not think it was going to be as, big, it was as it was. big as it was. Yeah. But You know, again, I mean, and I often talk openly about the incident with younger journalists in particular, and that is for them to understand, especially when you're on certain platforms, understand the weight of your words. That's why you have to take it seriously. Um, You know, say what you mean and mean what you say. And in that moment, I guess I was more disappointed, not just that I wrote it. It was a lazy ass column. That's why I was disappointed. It was a column uh, off day in the finals when Celtics and Lakers... Uh, The first time around when Boston, you know, beat them during the Kobe era, obviously. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't really have a great idea to write. And I went went that way and I took a lazy way out (laughs) trying to think of something to write (laughs) instead of. Being a reporter, finding something, mm-hmm. and then I'm, you know, tried to be funny, which really wasn't my lane. I liked what you said. <laughs> it was I'm just uh, keeping it real. I mean, I, look, I still, I, I ain't got a lot of love for Celtics fans, trust me, but I just would not have put that particular okay. label on them. So it's just, I just, honestly, that one, whatever. <laughs> so
1: what about your other one with when you when you, the, the orange cheeto. <laughs> You, I mean, girl, you had him on your mind. <laughs> I, you had him. You had them all over your mind. I understand why you were suspended business
0: wise, but mm-hmm, I, I still don't think it was right. I, I get, I get why I was suspended. Now, deserve is a whole other story. Right. Um, but it, it's one of those. It's like, uh, you know, my man said in Godfather too, this is the business that we've chosen. The thing is, when you choose to work in corporate America, especially in media. What happens is there are compromises, as you know, that you have to make, not just to not necessarily keep your job, but that are just a part of the job in general. Mm -hmm. When you become a journalist the And I think now in this age, I think people and media companies are starting to understand how unrealistic this really right. is of what they're asking of people. Every media company I ever worked for, you couldn't put any political signs in your yard. You could not campaign for people. You could not give money to politicians. You know, there was a lot of different, and mm-hmm. not just all political, but things you couldn't do because they didn't want to appear biased. Bias. Right? Yeah. And it didn't matter that I didn't cover politics. No. It did not matter. It matters none. Right. But they knew that most people that consume their newspaper or their media outlet would not be able to tell the difference. Mm -hmm. So those have always been rules before ESPN, long after ESPN. Most media companies have these rules as a result of technology. Most media companies have social media policies, right? Because, you know, it's instant. too. Yeah, it's (laughs) instant. And they don't want um, people can't separate. I mean, the reality is that who Jamel Hill is on the six o'clock sports center and doing his and hers I'm the same person, mm-hmm. but yet <laughs> there is an yeah, off button. There's a, a, another there, side of there's me. There's a life I live, yeah. okay, as a taxpayer, a black woman in America. Like, there's another life I live. But nevertheless, they know that people can't tell the difference. And so that's a lot of why, unfortunately, some of these policies were created. Now, did I violate our uh, the ESPN social media policy But Donald Trump? Hell yes, I did. I did. Ain't no question about it. I mean Mm -hmm. it says it very much in black and white. It said it before. We are not to make personal attacks. Honestly, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. I didn't think what I said was really that controversial because it's just they made it bigger
1: than it was. Because you were just pointing out, like, yo, if you really want to fuck with them, right? This just is how, how you this, do it. This is what you do doing. Yeah. yeah.
0: Oh well, you're talking about. So I guess we should well, differentiate. It's two of them. There's yeah, two yeah. of them. So there was the Donald Trump t- tweets that you know were heard around the world uh, that I did not get suspended for, right. and then it was um, the NFL when Jerry Jones made that yes. comment about how he was gonna. Um, you know he was gonna he bench fire anybody or that cut a player who Neil like, dude, you can't be serious, right? Yeah. It just sounded so plantation, it sounded so racist. It, <laughs> it, it sounded, sounded very so masterish. So very much so. I was like, okay, so overseer here. All right, fine. So my thing was what I thought was unfair is, of course, naturally, understandably, black people would like, oh hell no, y'all gonna let this white man talk to y'all like this? Y'all gonna let this white man tell you that? You can't uh, play for him or play for the Cowboys over this national anthem. You, you know, Dance Bryant, Dak Prescott, is he going to stand up be, for yourself? Stand yeah. up for yourself. Y'all some sellouts if y'all play for Jerry Jones. Meanwhile, you sitting there watching the Cowboys every week. I'm just saying, like, yeah. yo, why are you, can't you put, expect them to do something that you're you not going to do? You ain't going to even do. And, yeah. and, and wait, what you are doing, what is you mean? would have to do is so much less because it doesn't come with you jeopardizing you gotta the life do is of your life I got to just turn the channel. That's it. <laughs> just trying to watch something else yeah. there's plenty of programming we all got Netflix at this point right. a lot of shows okay uh-huh. so if you that riled up about it my point was the only way you will get the NFL to stop trying to suppress these players mm-hmm. is if the the black people and the people of color just people period who felt like their policy and their you know and their entire mentality about the the kneeling and protesting players. If you want that to change, the only way it will is if you stop watching it. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. Thank you. That's Otherwise, the only way. you just talk it. You just that talking. was it. Yeah. Apparently, that was a little too much. Were you proud of that one though? Were you were you mad? Did you feel like mm, I wasn't mad? Would at you all. take any of that back? Hey, that's one of those. As my mama used to say, uh, she always told me that if I was ever involved with a dude that ever put his hands on me, she used to say, "Just bring me cool miles." And put some money on my books. Boom. And that's how I felt about that one. Well, just put some money on my books. It's okay. I like that. I get it. I I told him then. I was like, I know you got to do what you got to do. I got to do what I I got to do. do." It's okay. Like, we can both be right in our own way. So, it is what it is. I just took it. It was two weeks, you know. Two weeks off.
1: (laughs) I was I was proud of you, first of all, just for the show, his and hers. Mm. What a great show! Thank you, y'all. Y'all was just two homies. (laughs) We were. That's what we wanted the show to be. Like it was two homies, and you know, I don't watch ESPN. I don't really support the channel. They don't fuck with me. I've been. (laughs) They've emailed me. I've gotten emails from people. I've. I've. You know, I've done something. My book is going to be great, by the way. (laughs) But I used to watch your show, and then they made you the face of ESPN. And I was thinking to myself, what the fuck is ESPN doing? Jamel is going to turn up. It's Jamel. They done made you the face of the brand. I believe, in my opinion, they did that to silence you. No,
0: no. People have to understand. Like, are you talking about when we moved to the 6 o'clock sports? Yes, SC 6 Yeah. Okay, so. This is what you people got to understand out there, boys and girls, is that was a promotion. It was a big one. No, no, no. I, I trust. <laughs> no, no, no. To
1: me, it comes across like, think of, look at how I'm looking at it. And I could be totally wrong. That's why I want to ask mm-hmm. you. I see it as here's a big ass check. Here's the face of ESPN. Why do you even need to talk about all that other stuff? Forget that. We're going to make you wealthy. We're
0: going to put you on a platform where you're the you're the shit. You are the (laughs) face. So you could be quiet. So that's how I saw it. No, that was not that was not the case. A couple of different dynamics were at work. One, if you recall during that time, they were blowing up ESPN, too. Yes. Okay, Mike and Mike had dissolved as a partnership or was in the process of de- dissolving. I'm I'm not exactly sure on the particular timeline, but either it had, it had already happened, was going to happen or happening, one mm-hmm. of the two, which we knew. Uh first take they were going to move to ESPN, um off ESPN too. First take was our lead in, mm-hmm. which left us. Now, it used to be the way they wanted the grand plan was to have, you know, news, live events, ESPN ESPN 2, especially during the daytime, they wanted to brand that as being the commentary space. Mm -hmm. So you have Mike and Mike first take us. And at one point, it was highly questionable and Sports Nation. We were all boom, 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 boom. Uh Right. They did that on purpose. So once we saw the other dominoes that they were moving shows, it was like, it's only a matter of time for they come for ours and not moving it because we had asked to move. Mm -hmm. We wanted to just move to E1 and they were like, we can't. We can't move you guys to E one. They never talked about canceling our show or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But just frankly thinking ahead, we're like, man, they ain't gonna just leave us here on ESPN two, just let, yourself, by ourselves, right? <laughs> exactly. So it was like, mm, that's not gonna happen. So we were just kind of thinking about, you know, what we wanted to do. Six o'clock sports center never entered our mind. They came to us because they felt like they needed to add some pop to that hour. Some black. <laughs> <laughs> However, you may interpret that, because <laughs> uh, six o'clock has, frankly, for years been a trouble spot because there's no there's no new video, no new highlight to show you. It's six yeah, p.m. Six p.m.
1: Everything's already been out. Everything's been. And out. And if there are is a game coming on, it's it's coming soon. It's and right. And, yeah, it's, it hasn't happened to talk yet. About. Yeah. We have
0: nothing. So, where to me the critical mistake was? Um, we should have they they pushed back this. It was one of our first sort of. Um, indications. We were on different creative pages. We wanted to call we didn't want to call a sports center. We wanted to just call it his and hers. Um, And just, you know, essentially because they loved all the things we did on his and hers and we were bringing those with us. I mean, my God, within the first couple of weeks, we had a different world intro. Yeah. So we were doing we were doing all the stuff that we used to do. um, But it's just when you have that sports center label, it can be so overpowering because Advertisers, like SportsCenter makes a ton of money. Mm -hmm. Advertisers want SportsCenter. They want the label. They want the brand. And so they were like, we can't change. We can't. We cannot get you to, we, yeah. you can't change the name. Sorry. Mm-hmm. You have to stick Has with six. O- and so that builds up expectations in the viewer's mind. Like they expect highlights, yeah. even though it's six o'clock. We're like, we ain't got no Realize, highlights. We, we ain't got nothing to show talk. you. I mean, we can show you some old shit. All right, cool. You already saw but all day. All day. And then it's, you know, you compete with phones now. ESPN is not the only source for highlights. You can get it literally anywhere. So we were up against it from that standpoint, from the beginning. Creatively, um, I think, where I mean, and they gave us no indication that they wanted to change us. And I think the the problem was that early on, um, and this persisted pre Donald Trump, there was we had a lot of battles and um there was we were trying to figure out where the sports center brand began and where we ended or where we started as like we were trying to meld two brands that didn't go together. Right. It's like there's his and hers and Mike and Jamel and their sports center. Those are not the same things. Mm -mm. And they they loved all the cool, fun, crazy shit that we did on his and hers. But a lot of the stuff we did there just didn't fit at six. So it wasn't it wasn't trying to silence us. They underestimated how people feel about that time slot. Underestimated, mm-hmm. like Scott Van Pelt has one of the more unique sports centers, right? I mm-hmm. mean, he's got the Ember the the intro, the intro, excuse me, from Timberland, mm-hmm. and you know he's got the little the the, the church His whole studio, right? Everything is just, but yeah. he can do that because why? Scott Van Pelt follows live events. You know what follows live events? Huge audiences. Fans. Fans, too. Anytime you're right behind a live event, you're going to be lit. Because people aren't going to
1: change the channel. If you you kick it off quickly and it's right, they're going to stay. They're going to stay there and watch.
0: And he has things to show them. Right? And so that put him in a a little bit better position. So um, the reason it didn't last is because we did not—well, it was a few things. One, I mean, it was creative infighting, as I said. Trump thing happened. We also, at the same time, there was a major management change. So the person that brought us in, um, essentially the GM and coach that drafted us, was no longer our GM and coach. Was fired. They weren't fired. They just just moved. moved. They they were moved to a to a different um, area, I should Mm -hmm. say. And so the person that came in was more of a traditional sports center guy. So we were going to already be on different pages and it was. But look, I mean, I'm self-aware and I'm real and I get it. I mean, I wasn't surprised that, you know, I knew that that wasn't going to work out. And then when the Trump stuff happened and ESPN was already under what I always found to be a really stupid um narrative of it being too political and too liberal, mm-hmm. like, which was so dumb, dumb and created by people who had an agenda and who just, frankly, Always. were just trying to get famous off of the ESPN targeting. Um, so all this is happening at once, which led to a perfect storm. And I was unhappy. I was, I was like, I, I know one thing I'm tired of like every day, you know, not necessarily every day, but most days I'm tired of coming up in here, us having hour long discussions About creative shit. Like, so sick of this. Like, this is, Mm -hmm. you know, we had a lot of cooks in the kitchen. A lot. And it was just like cumbersome. So I wasn't having a lot of fun. I don't I mean, not to speak for Mike, but to speak for Mike. He wasn't having a whole lot of fun. You know, we were we were definitely fighting City Hall quite a bit. And so Mm. I, you know, I just I tapped out. I was like, but I'm good. You got the bag. I'm all right.
1: (laughs) I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay. You got the bag. Now, question. Having gone now, you're with The Atlantic, Mm -hmm. you have a podcast. I'm going to ask you about that in a second. Would you, let's say, Miko, coming out of high school, I graduated in 1993, Northview High School in Covina, California. Would you, if I was at like some type of seminar and you were speaking there, and I said to you, um, I want to be a journalist. Do you think I should try to work at ESPN? What would you say to a high school girl today about her, her dreams of pursuing a black girl, pursuing a
0: career at ESPN like me? I say absolutely. Do it. A hundred percent. I mean, I would um, I would totally encourage you to do that, because here's the thing is that uh, for as dramatic of a way as I may have left, the, the truth of the matter is when we did his and hers, uh, which we did for. Um, I think almost three years, um, we did it our way. Mm-hmm. I mean, no place, no time in history when you ever have a show where I I'm drinking it. a 40 Dope on live boy. yeah, you was, you was Dope boy, right? <laughs> right? What we're doing Coming to America, what yeah. we're doing the blackest shit you've ever seen on ESPN. That's never going to happen again. Mm-hmm. And the only reason it happened is because we got our own show Mm -hmm. when you get your own show and the results are the results you can do what you want Mm -hmm. and that's what you want to do and look you may not change the entire culture of espn but you can make
1: it your own you can make it your own
0: and i i did that for 12 years i made whatever i was doing my own and there's still a lot of room to do that And and look i get it i know people look at espn as um you know, this super corporate place, which it is, it's very corporate, mm-hmm. it's owned by Disney, that's just the realities of what it is, but it's still, um, you know, in, in terms of our business, in terms of people of color who are in positions of authority as talent, um, mm-hmm. behind the scenes, they got some work to do, but as talent, um, uh, you know, I don't agree with everything Stephen A. Smith says or does, but the truth of the matter is that he is a black man who is the face of a billion dollar co- mm-hmm. company. Stephen A is that face. Yeah. Period. Period. And so it's you just. You get on my
1: nerves. Too, <laughs> I, know. I know. I know. I try so hard. You know, I try to support my people at, know. at all costs. You know what? One thing I don't like about him is I think that someone feeds him information from my podcast. Really? Yeah. Because Ooh. there are certain things that are not on TV that no that one's talking say? about, and then he Ooh. will never. Credit his source. He'll always say, a friend of mine, you know, showed me this. Streets is talking. And people will send it to me and be like, yo, you're the only person. And I'm like, you know what? It's cool. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. But I, I just feel like I personally feel like I do my part to support the people in my field. But no, nobody fuck with me. They don't support me. Mm. I'm seen as like this bad person because I have chosen to fight, fight equally. You know, I will fight with these owners. I will get in the mud with them like a pig and play around
0: <laughs> I, 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 right along the fuck with them for my husband's career. I said you have a different view of it. Yes, though. like I mean, a lot of us, obviously, most of us on TV, we talk about if we talk about NFL owners or players. I mean, we, we talk literally. We're speaking from a position of not being on the inside, right? So we never don't know sitting in meetings with and them never and sitting in meetings. To them, so and we see, don't know.
1: Yeah, and so I just feel like a big part of why some people don't support me is because they don't understand. They don't know. And they listen to whatever's being told. If I like, there's so many stories people send me about myself that are not true. And I just be like, Jesus, like, God damn. I'm, I know I'm fucked up. I know. I, I know I do. Wild stuff, but it, it all has a reason. I don't just go out here out of my way to disrespect people. Like there's always, I have a life, a great life. I have a great family. I'm having the time of my life. When I address something, it's because it has been brought to me, and now I got to check you. I'm never just sitting at home going, let me see, I'm
0: bored. Let's see what shit I can start right let me now. Just, yeah, you know, and, and that
1: bothers me, but I, I still support Stephen A, even though I, there's some things that he does. Well,
0: I think, um, you know, it, it's funny, and I found this, this is something black women face in particular, and especially black women who are married to professional athletes. And while wow, there is just this idea, that if you are a black woman and the way people perceive it is that you've hit some kind of lottery ticket. Right, you like this in. pussy
1: ain't <laughs> the ticket, first of all.
0: <laughs> you Like you cashed in some right. kind of lottery ticket, right? And so because of that, because you have reached the ultimate bougie dream and are yeah. able to be married to a professional athlete, then therefore, that means you got to shut the fuck up. Right. And I'm like, mm, it don't work that way. No, like, it, it doesn't. doesn't. And so I find that to be... Because, I, I mean, I see some of the, the comments, and you, people may not agree with them. I'm not saying you have to I, agree with Aisha Curry or Lala mm. Anthony or any of these. Otherwise, what I do know is horribly unfair is that people feeling like they don't have a right to have, have an opinion. opinion. And I'm like. Just because you
1: married an athlete, suddenly exactly.
0: your opinion doesn't, doesn't you can't matter. Matter. say anything. Your identity doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Your opinion doesn't matter. You're
1: nothing but a gold digger. Exactly. Always just a gold digger. Always. Like, like
0: men can't just love somebody. Like, they're, they're not capable of being loved for who they are. Well, the you other. Know? Part this doesn't necessarily apply to your situation. The other part of it too is that obviously, even if you are, they don't mind. So why are you worried about why it? Why you tripping? <laughs>
1: okay, like they clear. If they, if I'm a gold digger and they know this and they've chosen me, like why are you worried about what somebody else is doing? Thank you.
0: It's like okay, big deal, right? I mean, as my girl said to me a long time ago. Um she was like I may be a gold digger but it's a lot of dudes that's willing to be dug. I dug. was like oh okay. Yeah they handing
1: out they <laughs> handing out the shovel and telling you to dig right around them.
0: They do. You know? So, yeah. Not but, your fault.
1: Right. Okay, biggest misconception about you. How one one of the biggest ways people got you fucked up for real.
0: Uh well, it's two ways. Um one, I think people think that I'm Super serious and just super um, buttoned up
1: tight. Yeah, not necessarily
0: tight, Mature. but they think because of the because you know of of what I say about you know race about how I'm quick to check white privilege that I'm walking around mad. They always think that women, black women in particular, yeah. that if we voice, we're um, angry black women. Yeah, that we're angry, and I think people think that I'm angry and I'm you know upset and all this other stuff. I walk around with my lever on mad, and that is further that could be further from the truth i'm pretty happy i'm very happy and um uh you know i'm a very laid-back person so that's just not my mechanism at all the other way in which people you know can get you fucked up is that they think that um you know they they don't understand that y'all could say all this on social media and that's cool it's cool. Right? you, you can, get away with it You thumb thugs thumb thugs th- th- thumb away my thumb thumb nigga. away i'm gonna tell you this P- bring Please it bring it
1: to my face. Please don't, don't,
0: don't even. You know it's, it's been
1: brought to me before. Publicly, I, I, girl, I've had so many fights at games. with well, like, fans, I've seen the one. I've put, put my hands on several. Now that was not when I got arrested, girl. That was weak, girl. They played me. <laughs> I played, Trust me, yeah. I would not headbutt a cop. I would not jump over barriers. So I would have been shot. That was all. A we lie. know how they get down. Yeah, that was all a lie. But right. I've I've had lots of fans dumb thug me on social media and then see me because i'm at the games i right. post my ticket where i'm sitting the section oh, so of, you're like i want all the smoke uh, any of y'all that was talking that <laughs> shit here's where i'm sitting and i've had people approach me and i've had to put hands on people before no. men and women
0: they actually men, had a nerd roll up on yeah,
1: you Yeah, i was on the news in florida we was in buffalo at a game and they had me on the news getting kicked out of the stadium at buffalo so i had this dude and brent was down there like Oh, my God. But you can't put your hands on me. You can't even get in no. my face. If you get in my face, I'm from Inglewood, California, and that means you want to fade right. where I'm from. Right. If you engage me in any type of niggerdom, is what I call it, I'm, it's, it's on. Right. It's on. And that's just what it is. I'm just saying that somebody would actually... But it had to take me putting these things out there so people know I'm with those shits for it to stop. <laughs> right. Because then after that I ain't got no it took like three years of getting that. And now people see me, they'd be like, I don't I don't even want it. I don't even And I be like, Oh, okay. I saw the stuff you tweeted. What you, we got a problem? And they'll
0: be like, No, I was just you know, it's cool Let's to just move. move along. Move along, my nigga. <laughs> move along. Move along. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So I'm. It. no I mean, I, I. You with them, Detroit shit? I'm with. I'm with it, and Girl. more importantly, so is my man. And yes. he's six two. So i was like, speaking, he's speaking with of it,
1: man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Engagement. Yeah. I never thought I was gonna get married. I never thought I would have children because I was a professional athlete. A, tomboy, no man. No yeah. man is going to follow a woman. You see what I mean? When men are professional athletes, the woman quits her career, her job, whatever she has to do, take care of the kids, follow him city to city, state to state, wherever he goes. When you're a female professional athlete, no man is going to quit his career, his job to follow you. So I was single for a long time, you know, so then when I finally retired and I was just like, damn, I'm in my mid 30s ain't nobody about to wife me you know what
0: I'm saying (laughs) oh my god that's so young what are you talking about (laughs) I didn't
1: think it was because Um, all of my friends were already married with children because you know they had regular jobs you know just you know nine to five type of things and and so I was like you know I'm never going to get married and I didn't care about having kids I really was just like you know I don't need a kid anyway because I'm going to be mad at society because I don't want I don't even want to be raised here (laughs) like I was but then I met my husband and you know he said he didn't want kids either lying ass (laughs) He says he says his mom talked him into it because he's an only child. So his mom wanted to be a grandmother. So the weight was on me. Yeah. So I had the kid and everything. I know that you don't have children. You nope. just got engaged, Ian. Congratulations. Thank you. He did good with
0: that ring. He did. <laughs> do you do you want to have kids? Um, you know, I also look at. Because um, you can do so many things, you don't have to carry it anymore. Now. I know right? it's lit. It is. A, I mean, we're we. I guess the it's sort of an open ended question at this point. I'm like you. I never thought I would want to have uh, children. I never thought I would want to get married. Really, right. um, mostly not because I was you know worried about whether or not a dude would be able to follow around a, a journalist because that's a very realistic. Yeah you know, possibility because you move around so much. But, um, you know, mostly because uh, there are women in my family who haven't had a great track record for marriage and Mm. it just seemed to be more on the miserable side. So I'm like, yeah, I'm good if I never experienced that. So that was part of it. And with kids, like, I'm my mother's only child. He's the only Mm. child. My fiance is the only child as well. Oh, God, that's pressure. Uh, uh, But, you know, my mother is is not tripping. His mother is not tripping so far at all. I mean, I don't think if for some reason I popped up pregnant, I think they, of course they'd probably be ecstatic, but you know, being realistic, I think about, you know, my age, of course, um, especially recently. I mean, everybody's read a lot about, you know, how that maternal death rate for black women Mm. is just significant. It's as bad as it was, I believe in, uh, as, as bad as it was in the 1850s, um, the number of of black women dying in childbirth Mm. stretching across all income levels. um, And so I think about that part of it. What you put your body through. Girl,
1: I mean, I I was 210 when I gave birth. You're kidding me. My little ass was 210. People kept coming up to me, rubbed my stomach going, twins. (sighs) I was like, go fuck yourself.
0: (laughs) Oh no! It's just one goddamn baby in
1: here. Too but I was huge, girl. I was. Hu- I just. I thought I was going to be one of those cute pregnant people with a little bitty little bump. Thought you was going to be all all I was belly. Be just girl, I look like a silverback gorilla. <laughs> no,
0: I will show you some pictures, girl. People don't even believe that was so me. So did did you do? Um, did you do like a natural childbirth? Did you? Do? I
1: attempted, but I couldn't. Um, he was nine four and um, I, he was already pushing out, and I hadn't dilated all the way. I was only at eight centimeters. I don't even know if you know what that I means. I do. I was only at eight, and Aiden was already shoving, and my my uh, OB was like, Miko, I think we're going to have to do a C-section. And I was like, why? And she was like, first of all, he's going to rip you, which is called third degree, but it's from the clit to the booty hole. The clit down the pussy to the booty hole would rip if your baby's too big or if you if you it is forced before you're 10 centimeters. And so then she was like, and then you're probably gonna warp your vagina a little bit, and that's when Brent came. He was, <laughs> he was like, like, hold on now, mind you, I'm in the stirrups, okay, <laughs> about to give birth, and he was like, I think we should do the C-section just for the fact that it's gonna destroy your vagina, like you're you're, you're gonna get ripped and blah blah blah. Typical man, yes, you know. <laughs> think it, about he, himself, and he was like, why that are trying to? Because he knew that it was a big deal. I wanted to have a natural birth, and he was like, why mm. does that matter to you? Why does that matter to women? This is dumb. I think every woman should have a C-section because you shouldn't have to. Put Put yourself through that to prove that you're like a natural woman, that you're a real woman. Now a C section like, comes
0: with its own Yes, it does. Complications.
1: I still I haven't done a natural, obviously, but right. if I were to give any woman advice, I would say C section. Just plan it. Don't right. even why even do any of that stuff? Right. Why push this baby out? You don't get no reward for there's nothing but 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 a bad vagina. Mm. Now with the C section, with the C section, the problem is it's a longer healing process. You know, that's just what Opening says. your entire body mm-hmm. up and all that stuff. So, I just want to tell you that if you do want to have kids, have a C section. If you do it yourself, you're
0: gonna say have a surrogate. Like that would oh, be perfect first. advice. Okay. That's first. Okay, that's first. That's perfect I've, advice. I
1: actually, because I told my husband, I said, if you want to have another kid, I need to know immediately before I get my body back. And if not, then we're gonna adopt or do a surrogate. And he has said he don't want
0: another one. He's so good. yeah, okay. We're good. My
1: son, on the other hand, he's a little salty.
0: Oh, okay. Because he wants is he a... asking for a sibling now. He is, but okay. at first
1: he was saying no. Now, and I said it's too late. Now it's too late. We can adopt. I got him the dog. That was the compromise. That the dog really helped. <laughs> okay. But what made you so? So the worst gambling odds in America is marriage. Mm-hmm. Why did you jump? Why did I decide to do Why this? Why are you shaking well. these dice, girl? I, I'm i married. And let me tell you, it is hard fucking work. Hey, Rodney.
0: Rodney. <laughs> we got company. Yeah, we got
1: company. Dude. Rodney, oh, Jamel. You nice to meet you.
0: To meet you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you,
1: the cameras are here and here. Hey. What's happening? What's
0: happening?
1: So, we're, we're interrupt Before we get that question, What what is this? How'd What's that? going on? Yeah, What's we got to stop because so, I just so, saw Hennessy. Right.
0: <laughs> no, I'm the manager for Hennessy in L.A. So I wanted to present to you this anyway. Oh, my so God. My own Hennessy. Put it on the camera. Yeah, let the people see that. This, this is, is black excellence right now. Right? I want to cry. You, can too. you read the quote? It's like yes. a Oh, sorry. I should because this is a heartfelt message behind okay, this. Okay, Hennessy. what is it saying? I'm sorry. I'm from Detroit. Like, we just, we grew up with this in our baby bottles. Anyway, <laughs> it says, Jamel Hill, a hero, beautifully black. Mm. Oh, that is lit. Yo. Look at him. That's so, dope.
1: That is, dope. That is Boy, you so nice Say of hi you. to everybody.
0: Get, get down. Lean down. I'm 6'2", you know, Bay Heights. Oh, my God. So I have to do that. Thank you that so was, much. That's very wonderful. I appreciate that. You want to hang
1: out, have a seat real quick while we finish? Um, why are you shaking these dice, though? I know, right? Uh, What's up?
0: Well, you asked me why would I do it. Well, obviously, I found somebody I felt like it was worth taking the risk if you want to see it that way. Um mm-hmm and yeah I mean it's 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 corny, but it's like I fell in love with somebody who I felt like honestly made me better, and mm-hmm. um, or we make each other better, I should say, like a real partner, somebody who wasn't intimidated by this wattage that comes with you know the, my career, mm-hmm. and um, you know that's why when I got suspended, the first place I went was to his house, you know oh, what I'm saying, you need that yeah. you might need a good <laughs> you know it so a good. <laughs>
1: After somebody suspended you, <laughs> some
0: suspension sex is yes. that what it is? Yes. Okay, a suspension uh, spanking. You <laughs> okay. are a bad girl, Jamel. That's how it all happens. I'm yeah. saying is that I needed, you know, I needed somebody who um, would c- unconditionally support me, which he does. And uh again, we just we vibe, and he's got a great personality. He makes me laugh. Um, there's a lot of things there that once we started, you know, dating and got serious, I was just like, oof, I'm gonna have to lock this one down. I gotta (laughs) put this on him. Make sure you know. I gotta lock this now, but... Actually, it's, it's 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 I'm so glad that we have transitioned to relationships. I got a question I need to ask you. Okay, boom. So we've been taking an unofficial poll. So we're getting married in November. Okay. We're getting married out here in in Cali, and we've been taking an unofficial poll. Did you have sex on your wedding night? Yes. Well, I got married twice. Both times, Both. yes. It was a yes. Yes, it was a yes yeah okay because one most people don't I most hear. people don't right yeah. that's what we have been hearing from people we
1: almost didn't the second one the first one we eloped uh, we went to Vegas why. we were broke Okay. people think professional athletes or all of them are millionaires no 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 my nigga was broke yeah. not broke but you know what I'm saying like we didn't have money we didn't want to get into a marriage and a debt you know, like Understood. a lot of people take out a loan for a wedding. Yeah. We didn't have the money to get. He didn't have the money to let me have the wedding I wanted. So we went to Vegas. We, did, we definitely had sex that night. And the second wedding was when he got his first contract. And that night we, we got married. We lived in a country club in Atlanta, Sugarloaf Country Club. So we got married on the golf course at the country club and everything. So afterwards, we just literally took a little trolley to our house. And we have a six bedroom house there. And we told all our friends, do not come over okay cuz we wanted to get it popping right every st- every time we try to go to the next scene you know do something the doorbell is ringing so they came anyway it was a, it was a whole, <laughs> whole oasis in my house that night all my that, that was my friends to this day be telling me like girl that wedding was Lit. I'm happy because a lot of fantasies were fulfilled. I had a lot of single people, a lot of married people. Okay. So,
0: so it was some, some mingling <laughs>
1: <on>. <laughs> Yes. And I tell my husband, who's ringing the door? But he's like, don't worry about it. Don't because he knew I was going to like try to regulate. And he was like, no, you just, you just lay back down where you were, stay in that position.
0: I'm gonna get the door. You <laughs> know, I'll be right back. But yeah, we got it popping. Okay. Cause that, that's one of our concerns. I mean, he did a poll of his married friends and I think it was like uh 60, 40, right. And, and my, not sex. 60 40 had sex had sex but it's it's you know the more people he asks he sees it's like it's it's kind of even and then Mm uh my married girlfriends that i asked it's been like 90 10 did not did not because of the day itself it's It's not because i didn't want to it's either it's been the reasons why people didn't it's either been too tired because Mm -hmm. of the whole day or too drunk
1: yeah, I was shit, girl. <laughs> yeah. But that's when I do my best fucking night. <laughs> but I ain't see, I'm, right. Right. I'm, I'm hammered. not trying to have drug sex on my way, back. I was like, wait, no, like, no. that's not... We wait to the next morning. uh this It's off. And... <laughs> you gotta consummate the night. I, and you, no, gotta, see, you, you might just have to just let it happen. Whatever happens. You sound happen. like him, because he's like, yes. you, so you talk about some you see Game of Thrones, you gotta consummate you it got that night. You got to. That I'm night, like... the, the, the,
0: sheet gotta, you know, the sheet gotta be wet. <laughs> it gotta be some, some <laughs> juice on the sheets when you wake up. Well, we... It's allowing us to develop a game plan for the night. Like it. Yeah, just like okay, so we gotta we gotta take some five hour energies. We gotta make sure tiredness <laughs> is not an issue. yeah. And I was
1: fucked. My my uh bachelorette was a night before I threw up in the Hold strip, up, strip club, girl. MC. I didn't That's get where in. you went wrong. Yeah. That's where you
0: went wrong. Why would you have your bachelorette the night before? Well, because
1: I got married in Atlanta and all my friends came from L.A. and my family from St. Louis. So everybody was in town just for that weekend. Uh, so no. I couldn't do my bachelor a week or two before because people can't afford to, to go fly travel. out there yeah. twice. So I had to cram it all in one uh, weekend. It was uh, Memorial Weekend. Oh, in even Atlanta worse. But we, let me tell you. And the next day we had a barbecue pool party at my house. So it was a whole... Oh, y'all was doing oh, the most. And everybody was there. And girl, let me tell you, that's when I heard all the stories. The next day of everything that happened the night before, it was it was fun. But you we planned that. Like, mm-hmm. we knew that weekend was going to be stressful. It was going to be exhausting. And we were just like, we're going to get it done, though. Because I, I don't get to see my friends that much. Since I got married, I barely was coming home, you know, to see my family, my friends here. So I wanted to make sure all these people that were spending... because. They don't have the money that we have. And so they're spending their money for a weekend in Atlanta, because that's expensive, because Memorial mm. weekend, getting hotels, flights, all that stuff. I wanted to make sure that I wasn't lazy on their dollar. Right. Do you know what I that's, mean? That's, that's like, real. That's I wanted real. to make sure that it was worth it for them to come. There was a bachelor. We had a uh, dinner first. Then we had the, he had his bachelor, I had my bachelorette next day. But the, it was a night wedding. So, okay. I was like, please yeah, tell me this 6 p.m.
0: wedding. P. wedding. <laughs> started late. 6 p.m.
1: wedding. Uh, the reception went till three in the morning where we left. We left. They were still going? Yes. And then the pool party started at noon, but it was an all day thing. So you come whenever you want, but it started at noon. Oh my god! And it was a three day. It was a fun three days. You just plan it, mentally know this is what you're getting into. Make sure you're rested. Make sure you you got everything in order and just make it fun. Hopefully it's your only one. No, yes, so you, it will be though. only yeah, one. I so, can imagine
0: doing this again. Girl, I, I got, it I'm never getting me, married. If me and my husband
1: don't work out, I'm
0: never, ever, ever getting married. I got mad love for those who are able to do it two and three times. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how y'all do it. Like yeah. going through this deep of a process, not even just with putting together a wedding, but just The day. Just, just make it and then you're stressed out, you make sure want to make sure everything
1: is going right. It's it's a lot, girl. I but refuse. It's worth it.
0: I refuse to do it. So that's what I'm saying. Like we have we are really trying to, to plot this out. Like we both are. We're like, look, as much as this wedding costs, we eating at this wedding. We drinking at this wedding. Yes. We're getting it in. Okay. Get it in. We're getting it in. Yeah. And uh, we have to figure out sort of the, the sex plan part. <laughs> it's like, that, to make you, you can't sure that get that everything else in and not that in. I, I, look, I, we're get it both done. committed to making sure this happens. Ooh, you know what you
1: should do? <laughs> Damn, me gonna listen to this. I'll tell you off the air. Okay, tell me off the Let me air. I'm going to tell you off the air. But we got to go. I done okay. kept you longer than I thought. <laughs> All good. I want to know if you have any questions for me. Anything you want to ask me? I Anything? Because <laughs> I want to know what you thought of me when you first heard about me. Okay, well, I'll go like, I'll go yeah, there first. Yeah, let's just do um, that.
0: So, because long... I mean, it, it, it was just funny to just see you kind of... Uh, kind of blow up like over the years or whatever because at first I think I started following you on Twitter and it was just kind of hilarious because I thought you had like a ton of personality Um, you definitely told the truth I didn't necessarily always agree with you but I really respected the fact that um, you were willing to put yourself out there and sometimes say some things that I would I would be thinking the same thing I would want to say the same thing but I can't I was like oh the way that paycheck worked I can't (laughs) Because the these person, bills the keep way coming these bills every month, come, I was like, oh, I can't be talking like me. Because a couple people that you know are generally our profession that you said some stuff about that. I was like, dead <laughs> ass right. And I wanted to be like, girl, you right? You don't even know how right you are about this. Uh, so from that standpoint, that was that. And um, you know, I never thought it was like I told you before. My it, 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 not having been. You know, on your platform was not a reflection of, of any kind of judgment I had of you or whatever. It was mostly about the position that you were. that I was in. So um, and like learning now that you were a journalism major, I'm certainly proud of the fact that you have carved your own niche. But there is a part of me that's like, man, you should have been on a sports interview. I definitely should have been, been on one too. <laughs> But Man, I get it. I, I had totally those dreams.
1: Even, even though after I, I got rid of the dream, whenever I retired is when I was like, you know, I really want to get back into this field. It's always my first love. I always wanted to do it. And I was like, bam, I'm a retire. I'm gonna show up like, boom, let me get a job. And they was like, you got to go to broadcasting school. Men. When they retire from professional sports, they just hand them the job. They don't even uh,
0: know. No, you and, don't have to go to broadcast. Well, so. that's what I was told. Yeah, and so I went to school,
1: but I went back to school, mm. and I got to, do, I got certified. I went to uh, CGB, Co- Complete Game School of Broadcasting in Atlanta, did that whole bid, got it done, and then still learned that like, like you had to do. There's a whole bunch of shit you got to do to get there. But then I met my husband. Yeah. And then it's just like, okay, so you gotta make a decision now. You gotta decide if you wanna be a wife. Yeah. Or it happens for your reason. career. And I was like, you know, I've already had one career, I've been successful, I have a family now. Let me try
0: this. Yeah. You know? But it's good though that that people here that background because um especially when I talk to female athletes, a lot of them don't know that it's possible that a, a career in broadcasting or radio or journalism is possible. I'm like, you already got the playing experience. Yeah. So you'll be coming from um, a, a very informed viewpoint. And then it's just a matter of you getting comfortable being on TV and being in front of a mic and comfortable, you speaking, know, speaking. Yeah. That's it. Like yeah. that's that's really it. It's really Uh, A friend of mine said this a long time ago, and it's so true. The thing about journalism, even though it is characterized as an academic pursuit, it's really a trade. It is. It's a trade. It's a trade. It is not. That's what I learned. It's literally a trade. The more you do this, the better you get. Mm -hmm. The more comfortable you get. Um, and the better you get at being yourself in that, in that space. And so, so yeah, so while a part of me is like, I'm, I'm glad you, you are able to be no filter because Lord knows if you had come through the, the path, traditional path of journalism, it might've taken you 10 or 15 years to get to that point. Yeah. And you were able to kind of shortcut that and get to it, it, it right away. But, um, I guess, you know, the idealist in me, I'm always encouraging people of color in particular to, to be in journalism. Uh, because the statistics look really bad. Um, mm-hmm. you know, you have, you know, ninety percent of, of of sports and ed- sports editors and newspapers are are white males. Eighty percent of uh reporting jobs are white males. Um, the majority of columnists, they're all white males. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a really we con- break bad back that up a little bit. Yeah, we do. And so I really wanna see us get into media and journalism because that's how you change the narrative mm-hmm. If we're writing the stories yes. and giving the pers- perspective that's how it changes that's,
1: that's what i've always so, wanted to do girl yeah. like i'm a true writer um to my core i'm a writer i i've loved always loved poetry telling stories like that's just who i am and then the athlete in me wants to talk about sports mm-hmm. you know in i my can't writing. wait to this book Girl, it's going to be good. <laughs> I'm um, i going to let you go. Okay. I want to thank you for coming God, on. This is a pleasure. A big part of why, you know, I'm stepping out and trying to upgrade my podcast is Charlemagne, um is one of my mentors or whatever. And he kind of yells at me and he's like, the reason no one's taking you serious is because you don't. He says that because I'm already rich. <laughs> People think that, that I don't rich. need my job like, they, uh, you know, gotcha. because I, I won't compromise myself mm. for a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And so he's like, you have to get out there, improve your podcast, start, get your own show, like do your own stuff. You have the money. Most people that want to do something, the, re- the thing that's holding them back is money. They can't afford to do the things they want to do and move the way they want to move. And he's like, you have the money. So get out there. Do it. Like show people that you, you do love what you do is, you know, because people really, truly think that I just do this because I don't know. I don't know what they think, but like I, after one hundred and something yeah. back, one hundred sixty nine episodes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, I appreciate you for you putting the battery in my back a little bit okay. right now. I hope so. I would like for you to hold me accountable a little All right. bit more I will. in my DMs, of course. Don't don't <laughs> embarrass publicly. me in my don't comments, bitch. <laughs> no,
0: I won't. Don't don't, worry. don't be like, oh,
1: Miko," <laughs> but I, I, I he holds me accountable. Well, good. You know, he's you one the kind of the people that yeah. speaks to me privately about some things. Like, you know, don't don't do that. Try try to do this. This will help your brand more. This will, So if you see some ways you can help us okay. out, I would appreciate it. I'm really trying to get my own show. That is a goal of mine, to have my own And it, it doesn't have to just be sports. I want to talk about everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so I appreciate you allowing me to, you know, have you on. Well, thank
0: you. And, um... You know, had you told me Hennessy was involved, man, I got over here a lot sooner. <laughs> <laughs> the homie. But all right. Thank you so much.
1: I appreciate you guys, my listeners. I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you didn't, you tripping. Peace. Even though
0: I got my own CD, CD, maybe even on TV, there ain't no change in me, ain't no change. I can only be me, me, me,
1: though so I might be on TV. I got my own CD. Oh, you will ever see that
0: same emoji. I used to be the main one, club, but now I choose to-